Now, on to relationship goals. This is our last message in this series, and I can't wait to give it to you. All right, we've been looking at Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and asking the question, what would it feel like to be in a relationship with somebody who is living the Sermon on the Mount? Now, we could take that question, and we could look at the Sermon on the Mount for a very long time, and we could mine all kinds of content, but in this series, we've been mining four things, and the first three were these. Uh, the first was ruthlessly eliminate scorekeeping. And we looked at the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus says, hey, you got to love even your enemies. And we looked at other verses of Scripture that talk about love covering a multitude of sins, or uh, love uh, is, is like so profound that it, it takes no record of wrongs. And so we said, hey, wouldn't it be great if you were in a relationship with somebody who was living the Sermon on the Mount and their love was so great that it just didn't keep score? Uh, goal number two is relentlessly protect trust with truth-telling and integrity. Uh, the scripture reads in the Sermon on the Mount that we should let our yes be yes and our no be no. And what we discovered was that intimacy between human beings is dependent upon integrity. And that when integrity is lost, intimacy is lost, and if you want to have dynamic relationships, then you've got to protect integrity by being a truthful person and living in light of that truth. Goal number three was resist self-centeredness with Jesus-centered generosity. Now, the idea here is that we have hearts that are tuned in to worship, and Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be, and that our eyes are attracted to the things that our heart longs for, and that we can't serve both God and money. And so the challenge in this passage was to say, hey, let's be generous. Now, if I was a really good pastor, okay, I would have found a, I would have found a way to, to keep the alliteration going. Uh, but I'm just mediocre, okay? But no perfect people allowed. That's what we say here at New City. Uh, so goal four is this. Pray like you're powerless without it. Right? Pray like you're powerless without it. Over the last few days, I've been emailing friends just going, how are you feeling? All right? uh, pastors around the city, uh, friends of mine here at New City Church, just sending out the note, how are you feeling? And I've been getting all kinds of responses back. Uh, one response was, hey, I'm tired of living on high alert all of the time. Do you feel that way? Like you're just always on high alert? I don't know about you, but like every human being I see at the grocery store uh, looks like a potential carrier of the coronavirus, and I want to keep my distance from them. It, it's, it's really changed the way we relate to other people. I was, uh, so I, I was eating some peanuts the other day uh, as a snack prior to going into a store. I went into the store. I was in line, but a piece of the peanut shell got stuck in my throat in a, in a weird place, and I needed to cough to clear my throat. But knowing that everybody's living on high alert, you just can't cough in public anymore, you know? And, and so I was holding it in. And I was holding the cough in to the point that I, tears were beginning to form in my eyes. And then I couldn't hold it anymore. I just started coughing, like, like really coughing in the store. It was amazing to watch how people just <laughs> fled for the exits. They were like, I had, I had more social distance than I needed, all right, after a coughing fit in the store. Everybody's living on high alert, you see. You know, the, the one person wrote, this is like the worst Groundhog's Day experience ever. You feel that way? It's like, man, just consistently, like, the topic of discussion, if it's not the election, it's coronavirus. Like, I'm just, I would, I'd like to have something else to talk about, <laughs> you know? It's just like this Groundhog's Day that's on repeat. That's not a great one. Uh, another friend of mine, a pastor in town, just wrote me one word response, depressed. Just depressed. And, and it is a depressing 
time. Uh, another person wrote, I feel paralyzed. I just feel like I don't know what decision to make. I can't plan for the future. I just feel paralyzed. Um, all of the responses had some variant of, I feel powerless. And this powerlessness is what I want to talk to you about today. If you could, just for a second, listen to this next point and, and focus in on the truth of it. In prayer, a Christian is never powerless. Hear that? In, in prayer, a Christian is never powerless. That's why the goal for today is pray like you're powerless without it. Pray like you're powerless without it. Now look, I, I have been, you know, I like to make my own decisions. I like to set my own course. I like to set my own timetable. I like to own my own calendar, but it seems like I have surrendered, as many have in the culture, and for good reason, okay, but I get it. I've surrendered so much of my calendar to other people making decisions for me, uh, government officials making decisions for me, and I've been feeling a little powerless myself. But I want you to hear this next point, that no one can take from you the power of prayer. Like, nobody can take that from you. And when you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus will say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Like Jesus is saying, hey, pray and things happen. Now, listen, like, listen to this next point. I mean, I just listen and see where your heart is struggling with disbelief. There are things, you're listening? There are things in this world that would not otherwise be separate from prayer. There are things in this world that would not otherwise be if it weren't for someone believing in the power of prayer. Don't believe me? Listen to 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we seek anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked, him, asked of him. In other words, there are things that happen when you pray. Now, the other side of this coin is also true. Now listen closely. There are things that could be. There are things that could be in this world, but are not because no one is praying for them. There are things that could be in your marriage. There are things that could be in your home. There are things that could be in your career. There are things that could be in our city. There are things that could be in our community. There are things that could be among the poor and the oppressed in our own city that are not there because nobody's praying for them. Now listen, you do not have because you do not ask, says James. So embrace, embrace the power of prayer. And you can do it right now. If you're watching on the live stream, you can embrace the power of prayer on chat right now. We have staff members there ready for you. If you're watching on one of our live streams, there's somebody there right now to pray with you. Now, if you're watching after the fact, you can go to newcityabq.org, get connected. And as you're, as, you're, as you're watching this, wherever you are, you go to that website, you go to that 
page, there is a link there to request prayer. You know why there's a link there to request prayer? And do you know why the staff are there ready to pray for you? Because we believe that when you pray, things change. You see, prayer is a phenomenal resource that God has given you to connect your heart with his heart, your mind with his mind, to pray things into being. But you know what prayer also is? It's relationship. In, in the age of social distance, we need to hear this. In prayer, a Christian is never alone. Now, when Jesus said, I want you to pray, he says, I want you to pray, our Father in heaven. Why does he say, I want you to pray our Father in heaven? Because prayer is not about heaping up phrases to some disconnected deity. No, you're, as a child, you're talking to your Father in heaven. It's relationship. And prayer allows us to be weak <laughs> and vulnerable children. Hear me. Prayer allows us to be weak and vulnerable children in the arms of a good and powerful father. In Romans 8.15, the Bible says, when you become a Christian, you receive a spirit, not a slavery to fall back into fear, but you receive a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You know, there are a lot of relationships in our lives right now that we have to, or I guess we don't have to, but we feel the need to pretend. People ask, how are you doing, or how are you feeling? And you say, I'm doing great, feeling great, when you don't really mean it, and you aren't really feeling that great. We have this way, in American society in particular, of, 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 of broadcasting a sense of control, of power, of like, we're in charge, and we're okay, and when we know deep down inside we're not. And I want you to know something. If you don't, you do not have to fake being in control before your father. You just don't have to fake it. In fact, you can't really fake it because he sees right through it. Which is why when Jesus instructs us to pray, he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Like you shouldn't be hypocritical. In other words, you shouldn't wear a mask. You should be real and honest about who you really are and who he really is and recognize what's actually going on. So don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. No, in prayer, in prayer we are exposed. We're praying to an all-knowing Father who sees you, like he sees you, sees you. Not what you want others to see, but he sees you, sees you. That's why in prayer a Christian is never more exposed. It's a vulnerable place, prayer. Jesus says, when you pray, go into your room. In other words, prayer is an intimate space. Shut the door. Prayer goes to, is an intimate space, and it goes to, to the hard issues that are hard to broadcast in public. Pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. There's a kind of prayer I should say it this way. There's a kind of vulnerability in prayer that causes the eyes to well up with tears and snot to run down the face. Look, no one really talks about this because it's too intimate. The people who are real in their prayer life have occasions, I might even say many occasions, when they go before the fathers, a weak child, tears in the eyes, snot down the face and going, I need help. 
I will add, the healthiest Christian relationships, the healthiest Christian friendships, the healthiest Christian dating relationships, the healthiest Christian marriages, listen, the healthiest Christian relationships share this kind of intimacy. They have moments of prayer together where the mask comes off. There's no hypocrisy here. We're not praying to be seen by others. We're exposed before the Lord in a private space. And the reason it's not talked about very often is due to the fact that it's really raw. We have shared these kind of experiences in our home. When we're together, heads bowed, not running, eyes teared up, just telling the Father what's going on. I can tell you that in my marriage, the times when I have been nearest to my wife, the times of greatest intimacy, have been times of prayer. Holding hands, praying for each other, confessing sins, receiving forgiveness, asking for things, pleading with the Father, like having real relational time with our Almighty God who loves us as children, and holding hands, praying, eyes welling up, snot running. See, there's a kind of intimacy in prayer that exceeds all other expressions of intimacy. Friends can experience this. Neighbors can experience this with each other. You certainly should be experiencing it in dating and marriage relationships. And I'll just add to this. I have never met, this is not hyperbole, I have never met a marriage in trouble that also has a deep and vulnerable prayer habit. I've never met a relationship in trouble where the two people in that relationship held hands, confessed sins, prayed for each other, asked God for big things, sought out big victories in their life, petitioned to the Lord, laying bare their weakness and their inability and their incompetence before God and inviting his wisdom and his strength and his power to do for them what they could not do for themselves. I've never met a relationship that prayed like that that was also in trouble. You know, people sometimes say to me, Nate, I, I don't know what to pray. <laughs> and I just want to say to you, yes, you do. <laughs> you know what to pray because your heart's been telling you what to pray. Your mind won't stop racing as you're thinking about all the things that you really should be delivering to God in prayer. So prayer is the language of the heart. And if you want to know what to pray, speak your heart. Let me just... Take the, let me push into this a little bit, okay? I'm going to push into it a little bit. Prayer is not informing God. <laughs> he's the Almighty God. He knows it. He's, he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He knows what's going on. Prayer is not about informing God. It's about sharing your heart with God. This is why Jesus teaches us in verse 7 and 8. He says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. Don't go babbling on as the Gentiles do. For they think they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Like he's been watching, he knows. He's, he, he's attentive. He's a good dad. So what are we doing in prayer? Well, you've likely said this phrase to somebody you care about. You've likely looked at your, your friend, a dating relationship, a wife or a husband, in the eyes. You've, might, you've likely said, look, I know you already know this. 
but I need to say it. That's prayer. It's going to God the Father and saying, I know you already know this, but I need to say it. Look, prayer is more than being listened to, it's being heard. It's that feeling that your heart has connected with the heart of the divine, and that the heart of the divine is connected with your heart, and that you, your heart's been heard, and your heart has not only been heard, but the other heart has received it, and interpreted it, and is showing you sympathy and empathy. You see, the Bible says we don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, like he gets it. So, this is going to be a step that's going to be hard for many of you. If you need more intimacy in your relationships, whether it be a friendship, a dating relationship, a marriage, if you need more intimacy in a relationship, try the intimacy of prayer. Well, the Lord's Prayer is our primer. The Lord's Prayer is a primer on prayer. It's how we do it. And so if you're like, okay, I'm sold. I need prayer in my life. I'm lacking that intimacy with God. I'm lacking that, lacking that intimacy with others, and I'm in relationship with How do I do it? What's the, what's the prayer primer? Well, Jesus says in the sermon, pray then like this. Here's my primer for prayer. And prayer, listen, is the, it's, it's the experience of a relationship. It's the experience of connecting you as a personal being with a personal God. You as a person with other people with whom you're praying with in community. And so in prayer, we experience some things relationally. And one of the things we experience is wonder. Just wonder. Jesus said, when you pray, I want you to pray, our Father in heaven. This is crazy talk. Like Jesus himself, we are children of the Father. Look at Romans 8.15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons. The idea here is that we're all sons and that we're all equal heirs. By whom we cry, Abba, or Daddy. Abba, Father, our, our Daddy, our Dad. It's an informal greeting. Now I want you to know when you pray this, when you pray to your Dad in heaven, you're praying just like Jesus prayed. In Mark 14, Jesus cries out at a time of crisis. He's looking at the cross. He's feeling the weight of the suffering. He's feeling the weight of the social distance he's going to experience from the Father. He's feeling the weight of paying the penalty for the sins of the world. He is feeling the weight and the stress of the moment. You know what he does in that weighty and stressful moment? He prays. Dad. Abba, Father, Daddy. I know everything is possible for you, I'm praying for deliverance. Now, if you've ever been in a spot that's hard, you can pray like Jesus to your dad in heaven. You see, in prayer, we relate to God as a father, but we revere him as holy. 
And so we pray, our Father in heaven, we also pray, holy is your name. You know, one of the best things about being a dad is that sense that your kids feel like you're invincible when they're small. When they get older, I have a, I have a 16-year-old. Uh, he doesn't think I'm invincible anymore, but it's my job to uh, convince him, all right? But when the kids are, are little, they, they just think, Dad can do anything. It's, it's such a cool feeling to be a dad and for your kids to think, Dad can do anything. But I want you to know something. If you've never had a dad like that, you've got a dad like that. Your dad in heaven can do anything. In Isaiah 40, the Bible says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. It's talking about the stars in the sky. He who brings out their host by number, calling them by name. He names all the stars by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. And when you lift your eyes to the sky, what you see, you see an almighty God who put all the stars in place. He knows them all by name. And that's who you pray to is your Father in heaven. All right, so I want you to listen to this question, and I want you to be honest with me about it. I should say it this way. Be honest with yourself about it. Just the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask you, what is the biggest thing in your life? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Think about it. What is the biggest thing in your life right now? Listen to me. The biggest thing in your life is not the biggest thing in life unless it's your Heavenly Father. This is good news. The biggest thing in your life is not the biggest thing in life unless it's your Heavenly Father. That's what prayer does. It elevates. Father in heaven, holy is your name. You see, in our relationships, or in your relationships, prayer elevates God above everything else. Hear me, especially you. Especially you. So in prayer, we experience wonder. We also, as we experience wonder, this almighty God who put the stars in place, we can't help ourselves but to submit to his leadership. We experience submission. So Jesus says, pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if you want to pray this prayer with accuracy, with, with, with conviction, just ask yourself the question, how would this be different if it was under the reign and rule of God? So you're praying for God's will to be done, his kingdom to come. You're saying, I want him to reign and rule. And so what does God need to reign and rule of? So how would your marriage be different if God reigned and ruled over it? How would your parenting be different if God reigned and ruled over it? How would your singleness be different if God reigned and ruled over it? How would the city be different if God reigned and ruled over it? How would your neighborhood be different if God reigned and ruled over it? So when you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, you're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done in my marriage, in my home, in my parenting, in my singleness, in the city, among the poor, as as it's done in heaven. I want your will to be done right now, right here in this space, as it's done in heaven. I want to, I'm going to get charismatic with you, okay? I'm going to get, all right, I want you to press in on this. I want you to pray, Holy Spirit, open our hearts to know the heart of God. Holy Spirit, connect our hearts with your heart. The Bible says that we've received a spirit. 
and the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The Holy Spirit connects our heart with his heart, so we know how to pray. And so in your prayer experience, you wonder, because God's phenomenal, he's amazing, he's huge, and you go, whoa, not my will, but yours be done, Father. And you submit, and you seek his will to be done, and you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal his heart, and then you trust him. You trust him. And you pray, give us this day our daily bread. You see, when we pray for our daily bread, we're saying today and every day, I will not be anxious because our Father, He is faithful. This praying for your daily bread is kind of a reference to Deuteronomy 8.3. There was a, a time when God rescued His people in slavery, brought them into the wilderness wandering. And during that time in the wilderness, people were hungry, and God miraculously brought this bread-like substance like manna from heaven, and he fed them, and, and they began to learn to trust that God was faithful. And in fact, Moses, looking back on this moment in Israel's history, said, you know, the manna was never about the manna. It was that he might make you know that man doesn't live on bread alone. But man lives by the every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, that God can be trusted. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, about your bread. Trust Him. By the way, trust is how we rid ourselves from that pesky slavery to fear. When you're trusting a God that you've wondered at, and you submit to his will, and you put your trust in his hands, you, you, you don't have a spirit there of fear. Look again at Romans 8.15. Listen to it. Let it sink into your soul. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Dad. So in prayer, we experience wonder. Oh boy, wonder. Father in heaven, like, your will be done. I trust you with my everyday daily bread. I trust you. Bring me freedom. Bring me freedom. And forgive us our debts, we pray. Give me freedom from all my debts, all my penalties. Freedom to have to prove myself worthy. The free, look, look, the, there's no slavery like feeling like you have to put on a performance every day to prove yourself worthy. And so forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Like forgive me and help me to forgive others. And John Stott says forgiveness is as indispensable to life and health of the soul as food is for the body. Like we need this forgiveness. Now, forgiveness, it does acknowledge, like, the hurt. Like, we don't forgive people if we haven't been hurt by them. But forgiveness also acknowledges that we need help. We need help to forgive. Now, I don't have time to unpack Corey Ten Boom's entire story. Let's just say she had a lot of things to forgive people for. Corey Ten Boom was, uh, you know, victimized by the Nazis. You can fill in the gaps. There's a lot here to be forgiving people of. 
Corey Den Boom says, and so I discovered that it's not on our forgiveness any more than our goodness of the world's healing hinges, but on His. When He tells us to love our enemies, He gives along with the command, love itself. In other words, if you're struggling to forgive and you're struggling to receive forgiveness, trust in the Holy Spirit of God to give you the power to do what you could not do on your own. Look, relationships are vulnerable places where where people will get hurt. And you will need God's help to love and to forgive. You're going to need it. So you might as well start used to asking Him for help in the business of forgiveness. So in prayer we wonder, man, He's amazing. He's powerful. We submit under his leadership. We trust him because he's good. We receive the freedom he brings from our sins, and we we seek deliverance from the evil that is present in this world. And so Jesus says, pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or some translations say, from the evil one. And I want to add here that the world is evil, and there is an evil one, and there's a lot of bad stuff going on, but God delivers And sometimes we have to be reminded, listen, sometimes we have to be reminded that Jesus is victorious over Satan. Sometimes we have to be reminded that Jesus is victorious over sin. Sometimes we have to be reminded that Jesus is victorious over sickness. COVID does not have the final word. Jesus is victorious over death itself. And so we need the reminder We are victorious with him. Holy Spirit, let this text sink into our soul from Colossians 2. And you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed, listen, he disarmed the rulers and authorities, he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. What does that mean in simple terms? There's nothing so broke that God can't fix it. Do you believe that, friend? I believe. I believe. I believe God's power. I believe in God's power to redeem broken things. There's nothing so broke that God's power can't fix it. I believe. And God's power to heal broken hearts. Do you believe? Come on. I believe in God's power to restore broken relationships. Do you believe? I believe. My question for you, friend, is do you believe? Because if you believe, we need to pray. So let's pray. Now here's what I want to do. I know we're socially distanced right now. Whether you're watching live or you're watching later, I want you to find somebody and grab their hand and I want you to pray with me. We're going to pray together. We're going to just all over the place. We're going to, we're going to hold somebody's hand and pray together. Now, if you're by yourself, I want you to commit that as, as we pray together, you're going to share something of what God spoke to you in this prayer time with a friend. Okay, we can do that. Prayer is intimate space. 
So when we pray together, you can pray in your head, you can pray out loud, wherever you are, you, you, you choose, okay? You choose. But I want you, if you're with somebody, to hold somebody's hand, to get next to somebody, because prayer is intimate space. If you're alone, I want you, and you're watching right now, just commit. I want to share this with somebody. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, and I'm just going to hit pause as we pray. If this is uncomfortable for you, I say just embrace, just embrace it, okay? Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yeah, the Father's holy. He's holy. Talk to him about his holiness. Talk to him as a child. Let the Father know what's on your heart. Be real and speak to him. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Speak to the Father. Let him know what, what would be different in your life right now if his reign and rule was there. What would be different in your singleness? What would be different in your marriage? What would be different in your parenting? What would be different in the city? What would be different in your workplace? If Jesus reigned and ruled, just pray. Just pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Where do you have a need in your life? Is there a spirit of fear that you need to confess? What way are you learning to trust God and asking for help in that area of trust? There's a provision that you need or somebody close to you needs. Ask him. To forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This would be a good time to talk to the Father about your sins, confess your sins, receive his forgiveness. It'd also be a good time to evaluate your heart. Is there unforgiveness in your heart towards anybody that you need to extend forgiveness to? Just ask God for the strength to forgive. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Is there anybody in your life right now under the oppression of the enemy? Are you feeling the enemy's temptation, his fiery darts? Hold up the shield of faith. Pray for deliverance from the darkness. Ask God to deliver your friend, your family member, yourself from the darkness. Thank you for hearing our prayers today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, we usually end with three movements, generosity, communion, and prayer. I added a fourth movement today, that's decision. Maybe you've heard the talk today, and there's a decision you know that you need to make, whether it be to trust God for something in your life or to trust God for the very first time in your life. I want to encourage you to make that decision. 
I certainly would encourage you to be generous. I mean, we, we, we are a church that believes in generosity, so you can give on the app, you can give online, lots of ways to give. We take communion now during the season on our own, so you can break the bread, remember body, Christ's body broken for you, you can take the cup, remember his blood shed for you. Lots of ways to celebrate what Jesus has done, but man, you could celebrate that freedom today around a table with a friend or some family members or on your own. And we always end with prayer, and I want to encourage you to seek prayer out online, to seek prayer in the chat if you're watching in the live stream, uh, to seek prayer with a trusted friend. And let's get real with God in our prayer. What's not being done in your life right now just because simply you're not asking? What could be done in your life if you believed that God answered prayers? Well, I'm going to close in a prayer, then we're going to watch the Kid City portion of our online gathering right after the prayer time. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much that you've given us access to you, that you listen to our prayers, that you hear our hearts. And I'm just going to take to you my vulnerable sort of space. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to be real with you right now. Not that you don't know, but man, I am struggling with feeling out of control. Help me to believe that you are in control. Help me to put my whole trust in you. I love for the, 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 the effect of that in my own life to be more joy, more laughter, uh, a greater sense of relief, certainly a lack of fear of all the things that could go wrong because I don't feel like I'm in control. I know that I was never in control, Father. I know that, but I, I just need, I need you to help me to rest in your sovereignty and to rest in your goodness. It is in your good, holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray, the name that brings about salvation. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless.